Hey, Melissa, happy 50th anniversary. <laughs> well, thanks, Robert. Um, but I'm not 50. <laughs> Do I look that old? Are you 50? <laughs> no, no. <gasps> I can't believe that you are. You, you look like you're 25. That is what my students say as well. Absolutely. No, sorry, I should have been more specific. It is the 50th anniversary of the release of the greatest album ever made, Led Zeppelin's fourth album. Thought you might have that on your calendar. It is, of course, on mine. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. Oh, but I'll put it on my calendar right away. Good. Okay, today, November 8th, 2021, this podcast will celebrate what modern, many modern rock critics argue is one of the best albums of all time. I argue that it is the best LP of all time. Can I ask a quick question before we start? Sure. Why do a podcast on Led Zeppelin, and why this album? You always ask the best questions, Melissa, and both those are really good. But before I answer those question, questions, let's take a listen to Led, a Led Zeppelin song performed by none other than me, with a guest performance by Stephanie Whalen. Awesome, let's do it. The sun refused to shine, I would still be loving you. When mountains crumble to the sea, there will still be you and me. What a beautiful song. Your guitar skills are amazing. I think Stephanie nailed it. Oh, agree. Well, thanks. Let's, uh, long ago, I wanted to be the next Jimmy Page, the guitarist of Led Zeppelin. 
I learned quickly there's only one Jimmy Page. So let's get to your questions. What were they again? Can I add another question? Absolutely. So one, why Led Zeppelin? Two, why this album? And your third question? What song is that album on? Well, to answer those song, those questions, I'm going to need to tell you a few stories. Fantastic. Story time. Okay, as you re- may recall, I'm a local product. I grew up in Arlington Heights and attended Harper College after high school. When I was about 12 years old, I was in what we now call a special needs class. I think students called it a slow learner class at the time, or worse. I didn't like being identified as a slow learner. I can understand that. Nevertheless, looking back, the class did help me, thanks to Miss Simon. She was really a patient teacher. In this class, I made friends with Tim Bright. Even though Tim was a special needs student, he kind of crossed over into the cool kids group as well. Why was that? Well, he was... He was the strongest kid in the school, and I recall that he beat up a few kids. Think he knew karate. So you didn't want to mess around with him. Exactly. He also had an older brother that really liked what we call classic rock today. One day we were talking about music. At the time, I was into the top 40 things like the Jackson 5. Well, I wasn't going to tell him that. So I asked him, what music did he like? This might seem odd, but I remember exactly where I was when Tim said, You need to get the Led Zeppelin album with this guy who has sticks on his back. You sound just like him. (laughs) I think I remember that conversation so well because music has this amazing ability to transport you back in time. One of the reasons I am doing this podcast is to suggest that history is more than politics, economics, or war. It's about culture and the people who are not in history books. I never thought of it that way, but it makes sense. The Clemente podcast, which I really loved, was about this as well. Exactly. It is what I call local history. With Tim's recommendation, I went to my local record store. Yes, during the 1970s, people would hang out at record stores just to look at the album covers. It was like going to an art gallery. Sorry to interrupt. Did the album have a name? Hold on to that question. Okay. Unfortunately, the store didn't have it. So I purchased Led Zeppelin II instead. Oh, really? Yes, and interestingly enough, the song I played for you comes from that album. Oh, are you kidding me? No, it is a very Zeppelin-ish thing to do, is to think outside the box. That was one of their strengths, so I thought, why not do a song that is not on the album. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I really enjoyed the song. But I hope you do more podcasts on Led Zeppelin. You seem to have a real passion for their music. Well, this might be a great time to tackle your questions. There are three main reasons why I selected to do a podcast on Led Zeppelin. First is that for 45 years I've been listening to their music. It continues to inspire me as a fan and as a would-be guitarist. Two is music critics agreed that they are one of the best classic rock bands of all time. I don't think there's really any question that they are. Three, my wedding song was Thank You, which was written by Robert Plant, who sang the the song for his wife. 
the lyrics are really fantastic. Oh, I can't agree more. Maybe you are right, Melissa. One word answers answers this question is passion. I do tell my students to follow their passion. Led Zeppelin sure did. All right. Then let's get on with this Zeppelin voyage by asking a few questions. Are you ready? Heck yeah, let's go. All right. What is, uh, what is with the album cover and... What is the name of the album? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> and then two, why is this an important album for the members of the band? Yeah, and three is why this album is a milestone in music history. So before we do that, let's meet the band. Right on. Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page is the co-founder of this group. He's the guitarist and the producer as well. Uh, Robert Plant is the singer and songwriter and plays harmonica on some songs. John Paul Jones is like the jack of all trades. He plays bass and keyboard, but he can pretty much do everything. And then there's the legendary John Bonham, who is the drummer of the group. And I put in another person in there, which is Peter Grant, and he's the manager of the group. And he'll be instrumental in their success as well. So I brought the album with me, and I thought we'd describe what it would look like or what it looks like to you. So can you okay. describe it? Sure. So um, I've got this album, that you, your album that you brought in. And so when I look at it, there, the first thing I notice is that there are no words on it. So it's, um, it looks like it's, it's a wall, and the paint is fading on this wall. And then there is a, what looks like a painting or a photograph, and it just has an older gentleman, and he's kind of, um, he's carrying a huge load of sticks that are all tied up and bundled on his back. So he looks like he's working very hard, he's tired, his clothes are kind of, um, kind of old and worn, and he's just standing in this field carrying all these sticks. So there's this painting of him or photo of him on this wall, and actually, oh, but when I open the album, so now I'm looking at like two of the panels of the album, you realize that this crumbling down old wall just kind of ends. Like the wall is actually disintegrating and behind it is this newer, more modern landscape. I see like a very tall tower, like an apartment building in the background and houses. So it's just, it is kind of this contrast between what looks like kind of very old crumbling time to looking out on like a more modern kind of cityscape um it's a great description yeah and then i see oh, i can see the um like the album sleeve in it that the record is actually in it has some of the lyrics on it or i'm assuming it's lyrics because it has words and um lyrics and then on the oh and then the other side I'm guessing this is the list. It has like a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm assuming those are maybe the song titles. Yeah. This is a list of song titles. But above the song titles, there's some like little artwork, little symbols. I don't know what those mean, but this is really neat. It is a very compelling album. It's very interesting to look at. Cool. Well, that was a great description. So let's deal with the album cover and its meanings. We, I think that there's three main reasons or meanings behind the album. There, you're right, there is no name of the group or the record label. Mm -hmm. In fact, it has no mm -mm. catalog number either. Atlantic Record executives said that the band was... Committing commercial suicide. Jimmy Page 
stuck to his guns on this, and when the executives looked at their contract with the band, they realized they had the right to do so. Okay, so the obvious question is why? The answer is that the critics had largely panned uh, the band's first three albums, especially their third album, which demonstrated the diversity of their musical talents. The word that Jimmy Page took exception was with was... Hype. Meaning that the group was overrated and not very good. As Jimmy Page said, what matters is the music. It seems like that turned out to be a good move by him. You are right again. So what is the album called? <laughs> yeah, so it's been debated for a long time. Fans usually call it Led Zeppelin IV, or The Symbols album, or Zoso. The real title of the album is The Four Symbols, which represent each member of the band. They are Robert Plants, the feather uh, of the Mata, the Egyptian goddess of justice and fairness. And of course, if you look at it, there's a, a circle with a feather around it, which is the symbol of the writer. Mm. John Paul Jones has a sing, uh, circle over three interlocking ovals, which represents a person of confidence and competence. And that really probably works for him. And then there's John Bonham, the drummer. Three interlocking circles, which represent the mother, father, and child. Mm. He placed this symbol on his bass drum, and John Bonham was really connected to his family in many ways. Jimmy Page's symbol, well, it looks like a word, but it isn't. It's something that he designed. Th uh, I think uh, it has something to do with his birth sign, but no one knows really for sure. Mm. So... The album cover really is the four symbols, the four artists in this case nice. that are, are putting out the music. The painting on the cover. And I just noticed that's on your shirt, too. You're wearing a shirt of the album cover. Yeah, right, you are. <laughs> the, the picture actually comes from a secondhand store. They put it on a wall of an apartment that was being torn down. The author, Stephen Davis, claims... The hermit carrying the sticks in harmony with nature. He takes from nature and gives back to the land. Some said that it was kind of the burden that they were carrying. As for the location, it is the old getting torn down for the mm. new. Since this picture, those new buildings have mm. also been taken down. Finally, the insert is important because they include lyrics to one song. Oh, is it Stairway to Heaven? Yes, it is. Mm. Jimmy Page was so impressed by Robert Plant's lyrics that he demanded he be put on the sleeve of the album the first time the band had done so. This is such a cool story about the album. It isn't just an album, but it's art that tells a story. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I really think it is pretty cool. You can, you can understand why people hung out at record stores at the time mm -hmm. just looking at these things. Well, it's time to address why this album was so important to the band. I've already hinted at it. It was a statement to the critics who suggested Zeppelin was just hype. The other reason was that it was an opportunity to get off the road. From January to September of 1970, the band played 70 concerts in Europe, including a show in Iceland, Canada, and the United States. Two shows demonstrate specifically how exhausted the band had to be. On September 6th, they played a show in Honolulu. Three nights later, they played in Boston. These were some of the last concerts of that tour. 
I can see they really needed a break. That break came in, at an unlikely place in a country house in Hampshire, England, called Headley Grange, which is about 50 miles southwest of London. Fleetwood Mac, who recorded at Headley, suggested it to the band. With the Rolling Stones mobile recording truck, they spent six days recording songs like Black Dog, Rock and Roll, Stairway to Heaven, and more. Oh my gosh, they did this in just six days. That's amazing. Stephen Davis, who wrote a bio on the band, declared it... Six most productive days in music history. Yeah, right on. Oh, on your computer, is that a picture of the house? Yes, it is. <laughs> that house looks like it could be haunted. <laughs> Actually, some believe it oh. still is haunted. <laughs> Next time I'm in England, I will be visiting it. So I will let you know. That's great. Although those uh, are fun stories to talk about, let's focus on the music that they created at Headley. Side one of the album is one of one for the ages. It begins with Black Dog, which is a classic Zeppelin song. The song begins with a riff that Jimmy came up with after hearing a bass line that John Paul Jones developed. It goes something like this. <laughs> Thanks. The lyrics are really interesting because they say something without coming out and saying it. The beginning of the lyrics say, and this is how the song starts, Hey, hey, mama said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. One music critic called it psychosexual. Not sure what that means, but I think it says it all. In the end, it embodies what rock and roll is about, or at least in part. Not sure if you know this, but the term rock and roll was originally code for intercourse. With the call and response, the audience played a big role in making Black Dog a showstopper in concert. What's with the name of the song? They named it after a black Labrador, Labrador retriever that hung around the house <laughs> at Headley. You know, that seems like a Zeppelinish thing to do. Agree. I think we might have created a new word. <laughs> if you thought the band would let up on track two, you would be wrong. It was rock and roll. This song came out of the fact that the band was struggling with another song. John Bonham began playing the opening drum salvo from Little Richard's Keep a Knockin'. Jimmy Page created a guitar riff to go along with the song, and their opening number to many of their concerts was born. It also happens to have a guest performance by Ian Stewart on piano. Ian Stewart's on the uh, piano player for the Rolling Stones. Something Led Zeppelin never did, by the way, having a non-band member play on their songs. The guitar riff sounds something like this. Jimmy Page. Thanks, but there's no Jimmy Page but Jimmy Page. <laughs> this was also the case on track three. 
The Battle of Evermore, which is an acoustic number. This song is interesting because it has Sandy Denny from uh, Fairport Convention sing on it. The song, uh, as well as the track number five, Misty Mountain Hop, demonstrates the interest that Robert Plant had with J.R.R. Tolkien. You mean our guy that wrote Lord of the Rings? Yes, in the Battle of Evermore, Robert Plant sings about the ring race, ride in black, and the Misty Mountain mountains are part of the landscape in Middle Earth. I always learn some cool things when we do these podcasts. I'm glad to hear that. Well, track four is Stairway to Heaven. Uh, and this really changed everything for Led Zeppelin. Although it didn't have uh, the wow factor with fans the first time they played it, which they did so in, on March 5th of 1971 at Ulcer Hall in Belfast, Ireland. That, I suppose that's understandable because the album wasn't even out then, right? Yeah, it would be the first time they've ever even heard mm. of the song. To play this song live, Jimmy Page got the Gibson Company to make him a special double-neck guitar. What is that? Well, a double-neck guitar has the top guitar is a 12-string, and the bottom uh, neck is a 6-string. So it allows him Mm -hmm. to play both parts. Wow. Page said about this song, I thought Stairway crystallized the essence of the band. Like the most famous works by Bach and Beethoven, Page created the guitar work this song in C major. Another music critic describes the song as spiritual perfection. The song is timeless because it builds as it goes along from folk to rock. The solo on this song is ranked the best ever by many music publications. Interestingly enough, Page used his 1959 Fender Telecaster to play the solo. He explained the solo was like a great sort of orgasm. Even so, Page, uh, being a perfectionist, made the group record it more than John Bonham wanted to. Bonham took his frustrations out on his drum kit. Afterwards, he told Page, You're always right, you. Yeah, and then a couple other words that we're not going to put in here. So, <laughs> Biographer uh, Mick Wall claims that this song was the most played song in the decade of the 1970s. To date, Wall said it has been played five million times. Internet sources claims the song is worth well over half a million dollars. Some say a billion dollars. It has been reported to be played at many funerals, and although not a dance song, at many proms during the 1970s. It usually shows up as the number one song on classic rock stations. Dolly Parton even recorded a version of it. If imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, well, then the group Heart did so when they played the song at the Kennedy Center in 2012. Led Zeppelin was awarded the highest cultural honor by then-President Barack Obama. The playing of Stairway not only closed the award ceremony, but it made the audience members give the band a standing ovation which made more than a few people cry, including Robert Plant himself. You have never seen it, I highly recommend it. It demonstrates why this song is an anthem of classic rock. I have heard that song many times, but I will never listen to it the same way. Can we hear some of the song? Do you know how to play it? Yes, I do. We have three more songs to review and one last question to answer, which we still need to circle back to. 
So hold that, hold on to that. We will get the stairway to heaven. Besides Misty Mountain Hop on side two, it also includes four sticks, going to California, and when the levee breaks. These two songs are highlights of the album. Going to California is dedicated to Joni Mitchell and is some of Rara Plant's best lyrics. My favorite line is, Standing on a hill in a mountain of dreams, telling myself it is not as hard as it seems. What a great line. Mm -hmm. The guitar work is really something. Page played his song, this song, in a different tuning. It might be one of my favorites uh, on the LP. I wish I could play it, but it is way above my skills. The final song on the album, When the Levee Breaks, is another masterpiece. It is the most sampled drum beat in music history. To get this amazing sound, John Bonham placed his new Ludwig drum kit in the hallway of Headley. Page played, uh, placed a Bayer of M160's uh, mics three stories up to catch a unique sound. He then added backward echo on his guitar and slowed everything down besides the drum. Sounds like this is a fitting song to end a fantastic album. Couldn't agree more. So let's circle back to why this album is so important in, in music history. Is it that the album was ranked the number one of the decade? Or is it that Stairway was also given that ranking? In fact, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and John Bonham were all ranked at, as the best of their um, uh, instruments during this decade. Or could it be this album has sold over 37 million copies, which ranks as high as number two in album sales of all time? Or that Led Zeppelin's influence can be seen in numerous films, such as Fast Times at Ridgemont High. In fact, in one scene, Mike Damone gives his friends some tips on dating, including tip number five, which is... And five. Now this is most important, Raz down to making out whenever possible put on side one of Led Zeppelin 4 so did his friend listen to his tips well not really he played Led Zeppelin's Cashmere <laughs> which isn't actually on the fourth album <laughs> you know that sounds like a Zeppelinish thing to do it's so true <laughs> it is None of those answers seem to capture why this album, this is the best album of all time. I think it is what one music critic said. Their Led Zeppelin songs are so fresh, it feels they could have been recorded yesterday. As Jimmy Page said, It is the music that matters. Think all the artists want to do something that will last, and that is exactly what this album did. After it was released, the album stayed in the top 40 for three years in a row. With all of that said, this album failed to reach the top of the charts, believe it or not, being blocked by Carole King's Tapestry. Some critics panned it, suggesting that it was... Much overrated. And... First Boredom and then Catatonic. Which was directed at Stairway. What is this saying? You can't please everyone? Exactly. You can also see this in Wayne's World when he visits a guitar shop. No stairway. Denied. Well, the guitar shops that I've been in don't mind if you play stairway, but 
Probably some of them don't like it. It's just been played a lot. After the release of this album on November 8th, 1971, Zeppelin went on their seventh tour, breaking ground in new places like Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. They played a five-hour show at the Empire Pool, now Wembley Stadium, just a few weeks after the release of the fourth album. Well, I hate to turn the page on my musical heroes, but it's that time again. A big thank you to Dave Lewis, Richard Cole, Stephen uh, Davis, Mick Walls, and so many others who've written about Led Zeppelin. Thanks also to my partner in podcasting, Melissa Basinger. As one of my favorite historical figures said, Some people see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? How about a little stairway to end this podcast? Finally!